the Senior Golfer Advisor, dedicated to helping you, the senior golfer, drive it longer, play better, get healthier, and enjoy the game. I'm your host, Dean Davison. Let's get started. Welcome, senior golfers. This is episode two. I'm excited to have with us today, Brian Sparks. He's the founder of The Easiest Swing in Golf and the author of the book, Positive Impact Golf. Some of you may be familiar with his numerous YouTube videos featuring Brian and his certified coaches. Brian, I think you've got roughly about a million of those. Yeah, we've got about 4 million between us now. Wow. Which is amazing. That is amazing. Mm. Well, Brian, glad you could join us today from your home in England. Delighted to be here. Although I wish I was there, because I'm sure the weather's oh. a lot better <laughs> with you it's with me. But so. Well, it kind of depends here. Uh, mm. We broadcast from Seattle, and Seattle, I think, has got a reputation for being a lot like England on the weather side. Yes, I've heard that. So. <laughs> uh, we love it, but uh, mm. it, it requires a, a good rain game to be good at golf up here. <laughs> uh, we Brits know all about that. Yes, you do. So, Brian, you have built the easiest swing in golf with a mission to help senior golfers, our listening audience, of course, find their best swing in a more body-friendly approach. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, in simple terms, the way golf teaching has evolved in the last, certainly in the last 10 or 15 years, although it's been happening for longer than that, but certainly in more recent times, it's hurting people's bodies. It's hurting the top athletes playing the game. So what is it doing to Mr. and Mrs. Average who are out there just wanting to play for some fun and all the benefits of being out in the fresh air, getting good exercise, being with some nice people and just having fun. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers are teaching them things that are going to hurt their bodies So uh, and make the game more difficult, which which hurts me. Golf's been my life. It has underpinned everything all the success, all the great times I've had, all the great people I've met. And it's such a wonderful, wonderful game. And, um, and to see it being, being professed out there as something that's actually, you have to do it in such an athletic, gymnastic way as, as literally being the only way to, to play the game. And it's damaging the game. It, it hurts. So uh, I think you can see where my passion comes from. Uh, just one thing I would like to say, and uh, I do appreciate that your listeners are seniors, as indeed I am. Uh, I'm a young 67-year-old. Uh, Very young. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but the easiest swing is exactly what it says. It's the easiest swing for human beings and human bodies to perform a golf swing. The fact is that it is particularly valid and beneficial to people past a certain age. So we've only, as a, as a team of golf coaches, we've only gone in that direction through the demand, the massive demand we've had from all over mm -hmm. the world. And uh, what we've learned in the process of rebranding from positive impact golf to easier swing and researching more about seniors is that, wow, there's nobody really out there focusing on senior golfers. And, uh, well, there's a hell of a lot of us. So uh, it's, it's been wonderful. Yes, indeed it has. That's uh, originally how I found you. I found you just searching for a, an easier way on my body to uh, swing the golf club. And that's what first brought me to one of your famous videos, the video where you're actually showing and demonstrating the easiest swing in golf, but there's no words. I mean, it's all silent video. 
But as you watch it, or at least as I was watching it, I said, boy, that just almost looks too easy to do. It lo- almost <laughs> it almost looks like, where's the, uh, you know, where's the lag here? Where's the, uh, <laughs> you know, where, where's that straight left arm that we've, we've heard so much about in terms of gaining width and hopefully distance in the golf swing? I didn't see any of that, but it really was intriguing to me. And so... Uh, you you have been noted to say that uh, you feel the modern golf swing that has been adopted by many of the teaching professionals out there is so much patterned after what we see the greatest pros in the game, the the top pros in the game doing. But as you point out here in your introduction, that's that's very complicated to learn and potentially is damaging to the average golfer. It's, it's damaging to a lot of these athletic tour pros who are in the gym a hell of a lot. So what does that do to somebody who's 65 years old and possibly looking at having a new hip, got a bit of arthritis in his lower back, but it just can't work. Oh, I was just seeing, uh, watching the Masters, uh, back this recording is just after the Masters, but watching the Masters recently, one of the commentators there had uh, access to the 3D graphics or the 3D dimensions of looking at the golf swing. And we're literally pointing out, I think it was Ricky Fowler, what a great job he does of keeping his shoulders coiled as he's unwinding his hips and how powerful that is to the golf swing. But I couldn't help but cringe at how difficult that is on the lower back. Yeah. I'm I'm cringing as I'm listening to you because that's, that's okay. If you're a cat, you can turn one part of your body in an opposite direction to another part. And does it create power? Yes. But if you go back to Bobby Jones and look at his golf swing with his more than 90 degree hip turn, let alone his shoulders, and the fact that he was uh, in one of his books, he actually said that in his opinion, only one golfer in 5,000 turns his hips enough in the backswing. So what he would think if he came back today, I I hate to think. And uh, did he hit the ball, ball far enough in his era? Well, of course he did. Would he hit the ball further today with modern equipment? with the same swing? Yes, he would. But all of that has been dismissed. And I find it very, very difficult to understand how one of the most revered sportsmen of all time in, in America has been completely ignored. And his books are full of absolute gems, absolute gold dust. So my advice to your listeners would be get some of those Bobby Jones books. He, he knew much more about uh, the game that was relative to how most people play it. It wasn't elitist. It was, this is the way to play the game. And uh, you will know that one of the other things that, that I'm very keen on for people with a, a stiffening body is footwork. If you move your feet a lot, the whole thing gets easier. And if you look at how much his left heel came up off the ground on the back swing, but that carried on through and still is being carried through by people like Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson. Today, you've got Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson. But for whatever reason, it's been outlawed. And a number of people who come to see me saying, no, I've been told I mustn't let that heel come up off the ground. I mustn't let my arm bend. I mustn't move my head. And then hopefully with a bit of help from me or one of my coaches, they start to realize, well, that's why I'm struggling to make a back swing. So uh, it's actually very easy in terms of golf coaching, because what we do is we tend to be taking stuff away from people. Uh, helping them to become aware of things that are holding them back. And we have a, a formula, uh, and I have to thank Timothy Galway of the Inner Game for this because he's the guy who allowed me mm. to use it in my book. 
and it's P equals P minus I. Performance equals potential minus interference. And the modern golf swing, as being taught to the masses, is just so full of interference. And you actually take that away. You don't have to learn new tricks. You just have to get rid of some of the old don'ts, as we call them. We call them the three deadly don'ts. Keep your head still, keep your arms straight, keep your feet flat on the ground. And people get liberated. If people would be interested in in knowing more about this, they can go to my website. But they could also, maybe you could share a link so they could sign up to my newsletter. And I think, as you were mentioning, my April newsletter just arrived on your computer as you were preparing for this call. And there's a at the bottom of the newsletter is a, an email of the month, which literally came in two days ago from a guy, he's in America, Bill. Mm-hmm. And if you read through the a long email that he sent me, and again, this has been wonderful, senior golfers, older people tend to somehow have more courtesy about them. And he's so thrilled with his golf that he had to email me. And it's a very long email, but uh, full of wonderful, wonderful things about the fact that he's feeling liberated and He's been playing golf, I think he says, for 30 years, played off 16 for a long time. But for the first time in his life, having discovered my video and gone out into his backyard and started moving around a little bit, as uh, as you would see on the videos, we call it La Danse du Golf. I worked in France mm-hmm. for many years and my French students named it La Danse du Golf. Very simple movement. So he did that a little bit in his backyard and he went, wow, this feels comfortable. And then a couple of days later, having done that a little bit in his garden, he went out to the range and took his time and started hitting some shots and suddenly hit some beautifully struck shots and went to himself, ah, so that's what hitting a good golf shot's like. So hadn't, yeah, that's what it yeah, feels hadn't, like. Hadn't had that experience in 30 years. So uh, you can imagine just how how rewarding it is for me and for my coaches to get this sort of feedback. It's uh, absolutely marvelous. Well, you talk about helping senior golfers find their best swing. And you also talk about that best swing is a very natural swing, one that's very natural for their bodies. And then you just referred back to the deadly don'ts. And I think these are also written as misconceptions in your book. Yep, yep. Tie that together just a little bit in terms of that natural swing that we all can learn if we're approaching it that way. And some of these misconceptions that have kind of creeped in since the Bobby Jones era as uh, absolute gospel and are yeah, in, in, yeah. A sense, in a sense uh, hurting us in terms of being able to, to capture and find that natural swing that we have within us. Well, you said it. People have this swing in them. And when they come for golf lessons, all it is is a question of saying, okay, you've got a tool called a golf club and you've got a, a, an objective, which is a little white ball lying on the ground. And if you actually make a movement that you already have in you. So relating it, for example, to throwing a ball. So just throw the ball for 10 or 15 yards or even five yards. Do that a few times and they say, okay, could you get hold of that stick and make the same sort of swing? And of course they can. But unfortunately, because of the way we've been taught, a lot of people have something that doesn't resemble a swing at all. It doesn't resemble a simple throwing movement. And who can't swing an arm back and swing an arm through and toss a piece of paper into a a litter bin or we can do those things most if not all the movements that we should be making in a golf swing are things that we do in everyday life Mm. that we perform very well indeed you know about the six basics which are you've got to turn your body you've got to shift your weight from foot to foot 
well, we mm-hmm. do both those things many times a day. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. if we can just walking, just, just walking. walking. And if we can do those things with a good sense of rhythm, good balance, mm-hmm. there again, you don't see people falling about in the street very often, do you? And you do it with a certain amount of synchronization between the different parts of your body mm-hmm. and with the golf club that you're swinging. And if you can do that in a relaxed fashion, and that, of course, is where the big difference lies, because people who learn with us end up with a very relaxed golf swing. And if you look out on a golf course, how many relaxed golf swings do you see? Not many. (laughs) And that's a crime. It's a crime against humanity. And I actually think that as a golf coach, I have a duty of care to the people I'm coaching. And if I'm going to make them more awkward, I'm going to make them stiffer and tighter and more static and frightened of movement. I'm not really serving them any great purpose. And I think that one day we might even find ourselves with a a court case against us for causing bad backs. The golf swing is renowned as being bad for your body. Crazy. So uh, I'd like to dive into this just a little bit deeper. So a natural swing is one that involves natural movements. You just named... uh, I believe those are what you call the six basics or the six essentials, the turn, the six basics, yeah. weight, weight, balance, et cetera, yeah. which is all, it all is all very natural in about everything we do. Throwing a ball is a great example yeah. of doing that. And yet we've been taught in many cases to move differently or to do different things when we're actually trying to swing a golf club. Human beings fit into two categories when they play golf. You've got people who are very talented who are the low handicappers, the scratch golfers, the pros, and they have an ability to cope with physical difficulty. You could say they're a little bit like gymnasts. Mm -hmm. They're a very small percentage of the people who play golf. The rest haven't got that ability. They haven't got that body. So they're left with this awkwardness and this tension. And as I wrote in my book, the number one killer of golf swings is tension. And I, over the years, have become probably more of an expert on relaxation than I have anything else. Mm. And I encourage my coaches and I train them to recognize that. And we have tools to help people, very simple tools to help people become aware of tension and thus to be able to let it go. And sometimes the difference is absolutely stunning. And people are amazed, especially when you show them their own swings, amazed as to how good they are because they've gone through life with this impression that the golf swing is something that's beyond them, something they can't do well, it's anything but natural. And where do you build any confidence in that situation? So again, just taking all of these interferences away and seeing their raw talent, their raw abilities come through. And how many people can't get a hold of a baseball bat and swing it? These things aren't at all difficult. What's one example of a technique that you teach that could help our listeners today get a little less tense when they're swinging? Okay. I'm going to borrow something from a very good friend of mine, a Canadian called Ron Sissons. My book, The Easiest Swing, is is not purely from me. It's an amalgam, amalgamation of everything that I've learned over 50 years. And uh, La Danse de Golf was my own personal innovation, and I'm always delighted to hear from people about how much it helps, how powerful it is. It's a very simple little thing, but it's hugely powerful in terms of the feel it gives you. But this Ron Sisson one comes to mind because I think it's quite easy for me to describe yeah. and get across over the ether, so to speak. So imagine that 
just hold something like a seven iron, stand upright. So you, you were leaning over the ball, stand upright and, and hold the club in front of you. Push the club away from you with your arms at, at shoulder height. Grip the club as tightly as you can, as if you're trying to crush the shaft. And your arms and shoulders as tight as you possibly can. Now, first of all, you'll find that you can't stand there for very long because of the tension burns energy and your muscles would get very tired. Yeah. But so within no time at all, just then move the club up and move it back down, up and down, up and down in front of you. And if you can imagine that you've got a grip that is 10 out of 10 tight, just go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, and feel what happens. And as you do that, you're, you let your arms relax, your grip relaxes, your arms and wrists, everything starts to, to flow and move more freely. But you will feel something very, very different in terms of the golf club itself. That's just one little example of the things we do. And these are amazingly powerful because people, if you actually said to somebody, you're too tense, I want you to relax. But most of the time, people don't feel tense. Right. They might be struggling with the golf swing and struggling with the game, and they might feel awkward, and they might understand that they're, they're not doing it as it should be. But the key is giving them something which builds awareness and, and just a little, I won't call it, they're tools, little tools. Uh, there are several that go in the same sort of vein. And as soon as you start relaxing, you will find that you strike the ball better Everybody knows what it's like when the ball comes off the center of the club face. It's a bit like it's, it's hit a spring and it's soft and lovely. It's not called a sweet spot. For nothing. <laughs> That's right. And when you start hitting balls like that, you will feel something that's really just gorgeous. And, and if you're relaxed and you move more, you'll find that your club head speed increases and the ball will spin faster. So it actually flies a bit higher. It flies a bit further. And very often we will use a scale of zero to 10 to ask somebody, how much effort were you putting in? How much physical effort were you putting into swinging a golf club at the beginning? And they'd say, well, probably about eight or nine. Okay. And now, all right, I feel like it's four or five. Ah, so you've reduced a physical effort by 50%. So you've lost distance. No, I've gained distance. And they look in their eye shows you they are completely bemused. They have no idea how, can that, how that could happen. <laughs> and it's, again, it's, it's wonderful. It is amazing that a relaxed body can actually produce greater club head speed. And uh, sometimes it's, it takes a while to get the feel for what a relaxed body needs to be for your swing. One of the things that uh, I've tried from your technique is is this uh, idea of, of, of having a, a relaxed left arm, a, a left arm that's, that can bend. And uh, there's a couple things I've observed with this. One is I had always thought that having a, a straight left arm was important to increase the, the swing arc, which ultimately increasing the swing arc would enable you to build greater speed through the ball, et cetera, et cetera. So I believed that for many, many years. And uh, unfortunately, what it was doing was it was, it was preventing me from ever making, from making consistent contact. You know, I still, I was swinging the club head fast, but I was, my contact was all over the map. And uh, so by freeing myself up to, to allow that left arm to bend naturally, what I found was that I was gaining just as much club head speed, if not more, and making much more consistent contact. 
And then I began to watch some of the uh, the long drive folks on on TV. Now these folks are they're <laughs> they're on another planet in terms of the way yeah, they indeed, yeah. in terms of the way they swing. But what I do notice is they all bend that left arm. Yeah, they bend that left arm significantly, and uh, it it looks like in that in that one brief moment they're pretty relaxed, and they're building you know ungodly uh, clubhead speeds. So I, I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but the idea of freeing yourself up with not having to have a straight left arm all through the swing has been amazing to watch what it's done for my game. Well, I think there's a um, there's an analogy I could make here, and that is that so let's go back to throwing. So you're going to throw a ball. And are you going to throw a ball if somebody says, All right, I want you to throw this ball as far as you can without hurting yourself? But you're not allowed to move your feet, you're not allowed to move your head, and you've got to keep your arms straight. So we're cutting all sorts of potential out of your body, inhibiting your body's potential. And to me, that's exactly what we've been doing in the golf swing. And okay, there are some top pros out there who don't move very much, and they're very tight, and they can still manage to get a big shoulder turn without turning their hips very much. And they can hit the ball a long way. But because their body's still suffering the same same restrictions, but they're having to hit the ball over 300 yards to be able to compete, it's putting the, the spine in particular under tremendous pressure, tremendous stress. And that's why we're seeing so many injuries now. And if we're not careful, there are going to be more and more of those. And uh, again, I've, I've only been in the game for 50 years, so I wasn't around in the Bobby Jones times, unfortunately. But certainly in the first 30 years of me playing the game and being a pro, I never saw injuries. Apart from when somebody put a foot in a hole or something in the rough and twisted an ankle, but nobody actually had any injuries from swinging in the club. So I think that we've got to change this pretty quickly to avoid the game becoming recognized as something that's dangerous to do. I think this is a nice tie back to our senior golfer audience where, you know, many seniors, they come to you because... They're wanting to continue to play, but they're in pain. They're hurt. They're not. They're not performing anywhere like they used to. They don't, don't enjoy the game as much. Variety of different reasons. What the easiest swing does for them is it allows them to come off a golf course less tired because there's less physical effort required. It allows them to play with injuries, and of course, the other thing that we've found, which shouldn't be amazing, but the number has been amazing, and that is the number of people who get in touch with us who have. I've had a new hip or I've got a, a new knee or I've got arthritis here or arthritis there and I've got a bad back and I've had so many of us get to a certain age and we've had all sorts of things happen during our lives. And we're out there on a the golf course and we would love to be able to play a bit longer because, as you know, golf's probably the last port of call for sports people. So if you take that away from somebody who's 70 years old, what's he going to do now? Is he going to play bridge for the rest of his life? Sorry, I've got nothing against bridge players. <laughs> So, yeah, we help people to extend their golfing lives, get more fun from it. And very often they hit the ball a little bit further. They hit it more easily, a bit more consistently. And going back to another point you were making earlier on, rather than distance and scores and handicaps, I think that we should be focusing as an industry of golf coaches, we should be focusing on helping people to strike the ball better. Yeah. It's one of the great joys. I, I love striking golf balls. And when you've got that ball humming off the club face and flying through the sky, it's a wonderful experience. You know, I've seen your videos and they're, they're very intriguing. They're, they're instructive without having a lot of 
words, so to speak, to back up what they're seeing. Although you do have some coaches out there that do do some nice videos with more instruction. So I would invite our listening audience to check out the wide variety of your certified coaches that are out there teaching to get, I think, a, a more comprehensive view at what to do. But when you look at these basic essentials, they're incredibly natural. But how do you get someone to to take that and work with some of the other things that we hear about? Striking a golf ball in the center of the club face, uh, hitting it towards the target more consistently. Where do those sorts of outcomes come in when you teach these six essentials? Well, as, as your golf swing improves, as it becomes more natural, as you reduce tension, you find that the golf club itself tends to be swung in a better plane. So many things tend to be better. When you're more relaxed, you actually feel the club head more. And if you're swinging a golf club without feeling the club head, how can you get it to do what you want it to do? How can you actually make sure it actually comes back to where the ball is? So feel is a, is a very big part of this. And feel is the main thing that's in, that suffers when you're tense. So grab hold of a golf club. Here's another. This is a classic one. Hold a golf club, again, very tight. Hold it arm's length away from you, as tight as you can. So you've got the club at, um, at sort of head height or chest height anyway, and get somebody to tap a ball on the center of the club face three or four times. Then relax, bring the club back to you, hold it as, uh, with as, as little tension as possible, but not letting it drop to the floor. So your arms are now bent, your shoulders are relaxed, your, your hands are relaxed. Get them to do it again. I won't say any more. You will find that it changes. So feel tension I'll give you another one here. He's a short game guru from Arizona, Stan Utley. And Stan Utley said, tension steals your feel and robs you of your talent. And it does. So hitting the ball straight is actually a natural thing to do. You wouldn't stand there and try and hit it offline. So, but tension and all of these interferences at the straight arm and the don't move your head, they actually create problems. So if you take all those away, hitting a ball correctly, hitting it sweetly, getting it to go up in the air and getting it, getting it to go forward, actually they all become easier and more easily achieved in a consistent manner. I, I sound like a heretic really, but if you take various things like the grip, the grip is actually probably the last thing we ever talk to our students about. As a golf pro, I was taught that it's the first thing grip, stance, posture, alignment. There's a whole routine that you learn. But if you can imagine how many people come and see us who've been playing golf for many, many years, and the last thing they really want to be told and have to work on is you've got to change your grip. It's the most uncomfortable thing to try to change. Yes. So if you start off with that, you've made the person in front of you more tense. So now you've got a hell of a job. But so we work on relaxation and swing. And then as people's swings improve, you may well find that you need to intervene on the grip because the ball's going offline or the ball's flying low and left or whatever. And it might come from the grip. But I've just put a video on, we have a private coaching platform as well that people can subscribe to and to see videos that aren't available on YouTube. Um, and I put one on there the other day of a, a relatively new student of mine called Malcolm, who is 65 years old, been playing golf for 30 years, but never really liked it. He sort of plays two or three times a year, but it's always a bit of a, it's hard for him. 
I've been coaching him for about six or seven months. I've seen him three times. And his grip is wrong. His club face at the address is wrong. And even I'm looking and thinking, well, as, as we relax his golf swing, because his golf swing was, was all over the place. So as his swing corrects itself, as the tension reduces and we allow more natural movement, he's bound to hit the ball miles left because he had a very strong hooker's grip and the club face was 20 degrees closed at the address. Well, his swings improved out of all recognition. He hits the ball straight and high. Wow. And he said to me the other day, he said, in 30 years of playing this game, he said, I've never had so much fun. So the traditional way or what has become the normal way, I think is in a lot of ways flawed. So people get taught this certain routine or method with virtually no consideration for what actually they need and for what they're capable of doing. And, and if you look back in time, how many great players had untraditional grips? Their grips weren't right. Um, there was even a great, uh, uh, again, I talk about this guy in my book. He was a very great black South African golfer called Papa Susanka Sugolum. Mm. In the 1960s, he beat Gary Player to win the Natal Open in 1963 or something. He was famously handed the trophy through the window because he wasn't allowed in the clubhouse and it was pouring with rain outside. Uh, he won the Dutch Open. So he was a great golfer where he played with his left hand below his right. Oh, wow. Left hand so low. Left-handed, left-handed grip or a cack-handed grip, as some people call it, but played right-handed. So we should be making up our own rules and creating our own method as we go along, as opposed to trying to impose on ourselves or on, on our bodies some somebody else's conception of what what correct is. Another aspect of that as well is that when you take tension away and you allow movement in, people have far better rhythm. It's like it's, you're allowing the body to express itself. And it's a wonderful experience for the, for the student. It's a wonderful experience for the coach. You don't need very much sometimes to make a massive difference. So one of the things that uh, you write about in your book, Positive Impact Golf, which uh, I found to be a, a good healthy section of the book, and that is your, your thinking process, getting, you know, relieving yourself from negative thoughts, having a better attitude in the way that you play. What would you say to our senior golfers out there that might help them in terms of trying to stay positive while they're playing this game that can sometimes drive us crazy? Well, you're right. My book is in two parts. The first part is about the misconceptions of the golf swing movement, the six basics, the three deadly don'ts, and hopefully it's not complicated. The second part of my book is basically about an attitude to playing the game. It's called a game for a reason. It's the royal and ancient game of golf. And you see people playing it, and it doesn't look like a game. I've been told that golf isn't a question of life or death. It's far more important than that. And you look out on the golf course, and you, and you tend to see that. So why aren't we – maybe golf has become a little bit too too stiff and stuck, and, and it should open up and be a little bit more – it's a game. Let people go out and have fun. and. So attitude to bad shots to me is one of the fundamentals of my book and of my belief and the belief of my coaches. Because if you combine the two, if you're coaching somebody and they're relaxing and they're moving better and they're expressing themselves and then all of a sudden this, this lovely golf swing comes out, 
And if you align that with a better attitude for bad shots, so I would ask your listeners a very simple question. How many times have you played 18 holes without hitting a bad golf shot? Never. I doubt that I can remember hitting or playing 18 holes of golf without hitting a bad shot. So are bad shots not inevitable? And if they are, why would you go on a golf course and get to the fourth hole and hit a bad shot and lose it? Why would you get frustrated by something that if you're an intelligent person, most people playing golf are, you should expect them and not get worried when they happen because, well, so I've just been reading a book and fun enough, I very nearly put a section of this in my recent newsletter, but keep your eyes open to, for the next one. And it's a book by Sam Sneed, who apparently as a youngster decided to go and play a tournament somewhere. And he was a, like he was a hillbilly and he only had eight clubs in his bag. And so he turned up and they also looked at him and thought, who the hell is this? And he felt the pressure and he played with three sort of fairly experienced pros. And on the first hole, he, I think it's something like three balls out of bounds and then went round in 67 hmm. because he then, he, I think he put his fourth ball down on the first tee and hit it. And something, one of the other pros said, where did that go? And I don't know, it seemed to go quite a long way. It's on the green, like 360 yard par four or something. So, and he said that taught him that however bad things are, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay bad. It, it's going to turn around if you, if you stay optimistic and positive. And what a wonderful golfer he was. And that's the message for all of us. You're out here on the golf course. It's better than being at work. And yet you hit a couple of bad shots and suddenly we get very frustrated. The more frustrated you are, the more tense you become, and then you lose your whole game. So developing an attitude that says, I've hit a bad shot. I'm normal. I'm a human being. I'm playing golf. I've hit a bad shot. Okay. It's still a nice day. And you walk on and you wait until you hit a nice shot and then you're away again. But most people, of course, not only do they hit a bad shot and get frustrated, but they then analyze their golf swing to the nth degree to try and work out what they did wrong. Oh, yes, definitely that. Yeah, and that's a bit like golfing suicide. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a powerful <laughs> way to state that. Well, that's, that's very helpful advice. We could certainly delve into the, the mental side of golf, a whole show just on that alone. Yeah. So we've come to that stage of the show where I'd like to go to the quick take questions. And I've got a number of them here. We'll kind of limit it down to a few. But this is where I'll fire a question at you, Brian. Take about five, maybe 30 seconds at the most to answer. Just some things that uh, people might be thinking that we didn't get to in the interview. So first off, when I adopt the easiest swing in golf, will I lose distance by swinging this way? You might initially. You might gain some distance initially. Uh, when you do, you'll be so surprised because you think, well, I hardly did anything. It couldn't have gone further. And so believing it is one of the things that you'll have to learn. But no, you shouldn't necessarily lose distance. So will I be able to hit the ball straighter and more consistent ball flight with the easiest swing in golf? Yes. Again, once you've fully embraced it and um, um, uh, embraced the sort of nothingness that goes on compared with the way that you've been contorting yourself to swing a golf club in the past once you come to terms with that consistency level has increased quite dramatically how about um, hitting down on the ball something we often hear is is important in golf is that good advice i don't believe so i feel that it's poor advice a lot of teachers and a lot of tour pros are talking about compressing the ball well you can 
you compress a ball by moving the club head forward horizontally. The, club, the ball comes off the club face, it gets compressed. You don't need to do any more than that. So I believe that the golfer's duty is to swing that club and move it forward through the ball and the club face looks after the flight of the ball and the hitting down at the ball tends to trap you at the ball rather than allowing you to go through and finish your swing properly. Interesting. Uh, we talked about this recording coming right after the Masters. Franklin or Francesco Molinari uh, was described by David Duvall as a picker of the golf ball, not a gouger of the golf ball. And he's generally regarded today as one of the greatest ball strikers. So that idea of hitting down may in fact be not very good advice for some players' natural swings. Yeah, watch Tom Watson and tell me how many big divots he took in his life. Another good example. So how does the easiest swing in golf apply to putting? Well, la danse du golf, which is this movement with the club, arms length or hip height, should I say. You could say that a full movement of that is a full shot, half a movement that is a smaller shot, and a tiny little bit of it would be putting. So I don't believe, and easy swing coaches do not believe, that you have to keep your head still, your feet still, your legs still, wrists still. Again, we're imposing all sorts of restrictions on your poor body. Say, rather than saying, you've got a tool there, just swing the tool, not roll the ball on the grass. It's the easiest part of the game. So relaxation and not being inhibited by too many rules and regulations. It's a simple task, putting. Excellent. Just a, just a smaller swing, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So how do you stay in shape, Brian, as a senior golfer? How do I stay in shape? Personally, for the last year, I've been working on Pilates, and I have a uh, Pilates coach called Ebrina. She uses Pilates and yoga and all the other things that she's learned over the years. And I've been working with her, and it, it was so amazing. It was so simple, and it was so effortless. And yet the powerful and dramatic effect on my body happened so quickly. And so I thought, oh, this is a bit like how we coach. So I said to her, could we do some videos? So we actually have a series of videos, five exercises specifically for senior golfers. It's called Pilates for Senior Golfers. Um, it's great for your golf. Abrina calls it your body's pension plan as well, which is fantastic. I've been told for many years, like, Brian, you should do Pilates. And I've, I've tried one or two exercises and I thought, this can't do me any good. But then I, dis I made a, a firm decision a year ago and I got totally involved. I do a little bit every day. And uh, of course, swinging the golf club in the easy swing manner is also a very good form of exercise because it's keeping you relaxed and keeping you mobile. And the, the worst thing as we get older is when we get sedentary and we sit around a lot. You've got to keep this body moving. Good combination, Pilates and an easy golf swing. Yeah, wow. Two fun questions to wrap it up. At the end of a round, what's your favorite beverage uh, to enjoy? Well, depends on what time of day it is. <laughs> because I lived for 14 years in France, and so I do like a glass of wine. In the past, I was known for liking a drink called a brown cow. And most of your listeners are now going to cringe because a brown cow is half a pint of milk and half a pint of coca-cola and i learned that playing tournaments in south africa as a youngster and you'd stop after nine holes and and i saw people drinking this i'm like wow that's awful what is it and i'm like, oh that's awful and somebody said taste it and i tasted it next time i came off the golf course i said oh i want one of those and i was drinking that for years and years 
to the derision of a lot of people around me. But no, my my preferred reward after my round of golf is a, is a glass of red wine. I must be I must be honest. And I think I think wine is very good for you. That's my excuse anyway. <laughs> I think a lot of us have that excuse. Yeah. yeah. In terms of uh, musical group, let's go back to the fifties, sixties, seventies. Ooh. Do you have a favorite musical group? I do, but probably not one known in the U.S. That's okay. And this is since I was about seven years old. They're a group called The Shadows, and they backed uh, a singer called Cliff Richard, who was like our version of Elvis Presley in the day. Hmm. And they ended up as an instrumental group. They had a very famous hit called Apache in about 1960, I think. And Hank Marvin is the lead guitarist. He's influenced a lot of the top pop people and guitarists, including Eric Clapton, etc., over the years. And he's still performing and producing music, lives in Perth in Australia, though he's from England. And I, I just love the guitar, and he has he's a beautiful way of playing the guitar. And second to that, I'd have to say that Queen were just an amazing group. So. Oh, yes, yeah. Have you seen the movie? I'm sure you have. Oh, yes, I have. Uh, amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, it's, again, it's the easiest swing in golf. Check that out on his website. EasiestSwingingGolf.com? No, it's actually EasiestSwing.com. EasiestSwing.com. Thank you, Brian. For yeah. the and my, my email address is Brian at EasiestSwing.com. I'll be happy to hear from anybody and, uh, and help wherever possible. Fantastic. Well, a lot of wisdom shared today, Brian. So again, Brian, thanks for joining us and thanks for being part of the Senior Golfer Advisor. Thanks very much for inviting me and what a pleasure it is to talk to your audience. So uh, I think we share the same audience. Yes, we do. Wow. A lot of great insights today from Brian Sparks, not only on the golf swing, but about golf in general. Definitely challenging and provocative if you're a big proponent of the modern day golf swing and the way it's taught that you see on TV, just about every tournament that you see predominantly on the golf channel and that you see in most of the YouTube videos. But here's my take. The easiest swing can work for anybody, any age, any gender. But for those of you 50 years and older, you can benefit really in three ways. One is very easy to understand. This is a golf swing that's not about a lot of complications. It's not complicated at all. We're not talking about a lot of body angles, must-do body positions. It's just very natural in terms of its movement. It's very rhythmic. It's a beautiful golf swing, and it's one that can help you hit the ball just as far, if not further, and definitely more consistently. It's very easy to do because, again, it's based on natural body movements, based on your body capability of swinging a golf club. We're talking about a full body turn. We're talking about weight shift, balance, coordination between your body movements and the golf club, the full golf club, very rhythmic with great tempo and very relaxed. All of these things we can do and do in many other sports but for some reason, it's not often easily translated to swinging a golf club. Easiest swing changes that. And finally, it's very easy on your body. And if you're very flexible as a senior golfer in that 50-year age bracket predominantly, you're going to be able to take the swing and swing almost just as fast, but certainly with a lot more consistency. And you'll play better, not just on the full swing, but all the way down to your putting, chipping, and short game. 
it also doesn't rely on those tried and true must do's that we hear so often is you got to keep a still head. You've got to keep your feet firmly on the ground and definitely keep that left arm straight. It explodes all three of those myths and allows you the freedom of being able to swing the golf club with no restrictions. Go take a look at Bobby Jones, Sam Snead, just a couple of examples. On the ladies' side, Mickey Wright, Patty Berg, these were people who could swing that golf club with a lot of fluidity, flexibility, and were great performers. So if you want to learn more, check it out on the website, easiestswing.com. I'd suggest that you look at the coaching platform on how the instructors there might be able to help your game. And check out some of those YouTube videos, particularly Brian Sparks and two of his coaches that have a lot of videos that I think are quite good. Julian Meller is one of them, and Sean Heron is the other. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to catching you on the next show. 